Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. God's will for you is that you would start over. God's will for you is that you would get a fresh start. For God's will for you is that you're gonna suffer. For what? For doing good, for living for Him. It says God's will for you, plain as day, is that you would be sanctified. High Point with Ron Zappia, pastor of High Point Church, and I'm Steve Smith. And we're dedicated here on this program to helping you believe and belong to and become like Jesus a little bit more each and every day. And this week, we're continuing a series called Anchored. It's all about staying anchored in Jesus. And Ron, I think many people believe that if you follow Jesus, it's just, you know, it's all going to be taken care of. You know, no more problems, pain-free, trouble-free. But let's get honest, that is just simply not true. Yeah, Steve you know what? That sounds awful lot like a health, wealth, prosperity gospel that some people preach. And I got to tell you this, when we talk about following God, things do get better. They do because we have hope, we have joy, but it may look different than we expect. From our eternal perspective, we get it all. But when it comes to daily living, daily life, there's a cost associated with it and there's difficulty that's going to come. We as Christians are not immune to problems, to difficulties, to trials. So today, we're going to find out how you can have hope here on earth as you live for Christ. Well, let's dive right into Ron's bold Bible teaching today on High Point. Here's Pastor Ron. What's this world coming to? I mean, everywhere we look, everywhere we turn, it's bad news here, bad news over there. How are we to find hope in this world in which we live in? Good question. Got the answer. Open your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 4. How do I find hope in this lost world? Pick up where we left off last week. Let me say it like this. First things first. got to live for the Lord. If you're trying to pursue hope and it's, it's fading or it's eluding you, I'm telling you this is step number one we got to live for him. Look with me, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Are you there? He says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. So what he's saying there is Jesus, remember when he was here in the body, in physical form, he suffered quite a bit. Arm yourselves. He's like, prepare yourselves, guys, with the same way of thinking. If Jesus suffered, then his followers, what's going to happen to us? We're going to suffer. But then look what he says next. And he says, forever has suffered in the flesh, and that's you and me. We're here in the body. We're suffering, just like Jesus did, has done what? You tell me. What's the phrase? Ceased, Ceased from sin. Just like Jesus put all sin behind him at the cross when he suffered. As we suffer for him, for his righteousness, for his good, we can put some of our sin behind us. Amen? That's what he's saying. Live for me. I got a new desire for you. Look again at what it says at the end of verse 2. He says, don't live for human passions, but live for the will of God. Question. What's God's will? Think for a moment. What is the big picture. Let's not focus on the trees. We've got to get out. What's the big picture? Well, write down this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God's will for you is that you would be saved. God's will for you is that you would start over. God's will for you is that you would get a fresh start. That's what it means. Have you turned to him in repentance and faith? 
Because you can worry about a lot of things, think about a lot of things. I'm just telling you that. That's the first decision that's on the plate. Second thing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, God's will for you, plain as day, is that you would be sanctified. See, he doesn't see, he's not talking about what college you should go to. He's not talking about who you're going to marry. He's not talking about whether or not you're going to win the lotto. Can't find those answers, but I'm telling you this, and he cares about the details of our lives. Don't get lost in my analogy. God's will is that we would be what? Well, that we would submit. Oh, don't want to do that. Yeah, that's God's will. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 13 through 50. You've got to surrender yourself to the people that are above you. That's God's will for you. Last thing is this, though. What's God's will for me? Look with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. So what's the S word? You tell me. We suffer. God's will for you is that you're going to suffer. For what? For doing good. For living for him. Sorry. Sorry if you thought this was going to be a cakewalk. Shouldn't be listening to that TV preacher late at night that tells you everything's going to get better. It's not. Because if you want to find hope in this world, you got, you got to wrap those things up and you got to be dealing with those things and they need to be at the forefront of our attention. Second thing, we want to find hope in this world. Listen to this, we got to break free from the past. So many of us are chained and we're tied to the past in the form of relationships with people that are hindering us and bringing us into a place of what? Where we can't have victory. That, that's a problem. That's why he says next, look at with me at verse 3. He's like this, the, the time that has passed suffices. He's, he's like this, okay, new page, new book, follower of Christ. And he's like, those days are gone. The past is good enough. He's like, don't do that stuff anymore, doing what the Gentiles want to do. And he's saying this, he's saying, you know what, don't live like they live. Time to move on. Living in sensuality, that's all illicit sexual immorality. You got, got to move on. What else does he say? And passions. He's talking about our former lusts and our former desires. Next word, drunkenness. No, the scripture doesn't say that you can't have a glass of wine. Doesn't say that. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, well, yeah, that's what it is. And, and then they'll say, well, you know what? The wine, it was, you know, it, was, it was all this, it was different kind of wine. Listen. The scripture doesn't say you can't drink. It says you can't get drunk. You say, where's the line? I'll tell you where the line is. It's not where you think it is. It's probably one or two drinks the over the other way. He, he's like, you're hurting yourself. And then here's the next word. Here we go, orgies. You say, man, what were they doing? It wasn't just about sex. They'd go to these parties, I'm telling you, and they would gorge themselves to the point where they would eat so much that they would, they would literally vomit so that they could eat more. Eating, drinking, having sex. That's what they were doing. Hmm, sounds like today. Like, 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 like don't do it. And, and then look what he says next. He's like, and lawless idolatry. So he ends with this word idolatry. Go ahead and circle it in the text. What he's saying is get free from your past. And what he's saying now is, man, I want you to live for me. And what he's saying now is idolatry is anything. Say anything. Anything, anything that puts Jesus second in your life. Family, friends, desire to have a kid. Maybe even your own spouse trying to get that spouse to meet needs that only God can. It's idolatry. 
good thing can become bad when it crowds out the best, man. If that thing takes God out of the picture, then it's not good. And then, then this is what the people do. They will what? What does the text say? What does your version say? Some versions say speak evil. Mine says malign. That's a word. It comes from, the Greek word is literally blasphemeo. We get our English word blaspheme. He's saying what happens is, is that people judge you. They malign you. They speak evil of you. They are against you. Anybody ever been through any of that? And, and we, we try to make a break. And, and God's word's saying, you know what, guys, don't be foolish. It, it's going to happen. These people are going to malign you. And don't respond back in a way that's not pleasing to God, please. But, but we don't have to worry. Why? You're not going to have to judge. Look at verse 5, man. It's like this. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living of the dead. Who's the him there? Jesus. So, so, so just listen. Just think about this. Next time they're making fun of you, just saying, you'll get yours, man. And I'm hoping it's not soon. Jesus is going to judge them. Like, like, what is it? Leads to the next thing. Do the right thing. Well, he's going to list three things specifically that he wants us to do in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through about 9. And let's, let's, let's identify now. Let's dig into the scriptures. Let's identify what those three things are. I'm going to give them to you, um, but they're going to come out. The first one, he's going to list it at the end. Look at verse 7. The end of all things that is at hand. So Peter's like this. He's like, the clock's running down. We're in the fourth quarter. No time to waste. Therefore, be what? What does your version say? Be self-controlled. He's like, get your head on straight. That's literally what it means. He, he's like this. It's like, be self-controlled. He's like, be clear in your thinking, be clear-minded, and that leads to the second term. What does your version say? Be sober-minded, so that's free from any kind of intoxication. Any kind of intoxication, it literally means to be free from intoxication, any intoxication of the world. The scripture says that we're to renew our mind and our thinking. He's like, you got to get free from some stuff. You got to start thinking clearly. Why? Why do we need to do that? What comes next? Here's the first thing we got to do do the right thing because then we can, we can pray. He's not saying, I won't listen to you. What he's saying here is he's saying, I'm trying to listen to you, but I can't understand you. Why? Anybody had that experience in your prayer life where you're just kind of praying and then you're praying and then you kind of start thinking and then you start thinking about the to do list and then it becomes something else. And, and then you say to yourself, and I know, oh, I'm probably the only one that has ever done this in this whole body. And, and then you say, you say, well, you know what? I mean, God kind of knows what I'm thinking anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> Anybody been there? We do that, don't we? It's like, well, I don't have to pray it because he knows my thoughts and he's uh, all powerful and like he knows everything. So, I, I mean, he can kind of read my mind. This is the verse that is against that. He's saying, be sober-minded, be clear in your thoughts. He wants you to articulate it to him. He wants you to talk to him, whether it's silently or try this, whether it's verbally. Like he's like this first thing, if you gotta do the right thing, you gotta pray, guys. We, we gotta pray. And, and as followers of Christ, we will suffer. We need to pray. We need to lift up our brothers and sisters. We, we need to pray. Second thing, it's just a word. You, you never really do it. And I've learned that like when I say that, I just do it right then with the person. 
Like just stop. It freaks them out a little bit at times. But it's just like, yeah, okay, well, I'll pray for you right now. Let's do it when we say we're going to do it. Practical teaching today on High Point with Ron Sapia. The message is titled, Finding Hope in This World. And you can request a copy when you call 844-HP-RADIO. Stay with us. There's more teaching straight ahead. Hey, this is Ron Zappia, pastor and teacher on High Point. Every day we're calling men and women to elevate their faith through a fresh encounter with God. We take time to focus our thoughts, arrange our priorities, and encounter God in the midst of our day. Together, we explore God's word. We gain practical insights to guide our daily living. When we do this, we experience a new high point in our faith. Listen, we want you to draw closer to God through his word, get to know him better, and elevate your faith. We get real with what God says about topics like family and marriage, friendships, and living for Christ. On High Point, we're here to encourage you with God's word and provide you an encounter with Jesus. It's a lifelong journey, and I'd love to have you join me. So listen right here every Monday through Friday for High Point. For more Bible teaching resources from Pastor Ron Zappia, head online to www.highpointministries.com. That's highpointministries.com. You're listening to High Point with Ron Zappia and a message from our series called Anchored. The message today is called How to Find Hope in This World. For additional resources, head to highpointministries.com. Now here's Pastor Ron. Second thing, this should be no surprise. What are we to do? What's the second word? Love. It's about love. How are we to love though? Let's really get deep now. How are we to love? How, what's the word say in this text? Earnestly. Some I heard, does it say deeply in maybe your translation? fervently, great word there. What does it mean? With all your energy, with all your effort, that means love is not easy. Love is a choice. That means love is verb. There was a song about that. that that's what love is. And, and, and it's about action. And, and it's about doing. That same word that's translated in all those variety of ways for you in your English Bible that you just spit back to me, that's the same word. It's only used, Peter used it one other time, in the letter when he says to love earnestly. And then it's used only one other time in the entirety of the New Testament. Do you want to know when it's used? It's from Luke chapter 22, verse, I believe it's 44, somewhere in there. It's when Jesus is praying in the garden and he's praying, calling out to his father. And what does the scripture say? He begins to sweat and he's praying so intensely that he's sweating drops of blood. That's how we're to love. Love till it hurts. I mean, love till it hurts you. Love with the little blood, sweat, and tears. That's to love earnestly. And that's what he's calling us to do for each other here. We got some growing to do. And that's what he's calling us to do to others out there. And everybody said, we got some growing to do. Now you say it. We got some growing to do. Because we think about ourselves and we just get self-focused. And I'm telling you, one of the best ways to, to just get free from your past and from your behavior is start to look in the room and start thinking about other people's needs apart from your own and to start trying to meet some of those needs. Like it's, it's freedom. It, it's a different perspective. That, that's what he's asking them to do. Third thing, let me give you the word. I say give, but look what he says here and I'll explain it in a minute. So we're to pray we're to love, we're to give. He says this, verse nine, show hospitality. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Don't, don't have an attitude about it. Like, just, just be nice and, you know, set out the glass for your guest and be nice about it. Have a smile on your face. And see, in the New Testament times, the people would open up their homes to those who were in need. And they would let people come and they would help to meet the need. So, question, how are you opening up your lives to help people who are in need? Well, I'm kind of just walking by some needs. I do it all the time. And I, it just, you know what, I'm just starting to, to you know, I haven't changed the behavior yet. I'll be honest with you. It happened to me. I was on the way to the dentist this week. It didn't change my behavior. But I recognized and I thought about something I should have do. I didn't do it. But, I, I, but I'm still thinking about it. And I, I'm, I'm, why didn't I stop? Because I would have been late. Well, so what? So you got to change the behavior. It starts by recognizing it. But we're trying to be like what it says here. So, last thing is this. Interesting how it all flows together. You want to find hope in this world. You can't just be all about yourself. Look at verse 10. you got to utilize your gifts, specifically your spiritual gifts, your gifts and abilities. He's talking about spiritual gifts here. Who gets a spiritual gift? He answers it in verse 10. As each has what? Received a, a gift. So who gets it? All Christians. They get spiritual gifts. Why do we get those? This is where some confusion happens. To, to serve one another. We're, we get the gift to serve each other. You have not been given that gift for yourself and for your purposes and for your glory. It's been given to you for the church and that God would use it here to meet needs. It's for the good of his glory and the good of the church. See, let me say it like this. Every follower of Christ, every Christian, everyone who's ever given their life to Jesus, you have received the gift of the Spirit in you. Third person of the Trinity now resides in you. You say, where does it say that in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, also says it in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You've been given, and I can't explain it all now, but God's given you something that is just like outside of this world that's a piece of himself to help initiate and facilitate change. It's his Spirit, and we are called to yield to it. Some of us are not yielding to it. They were not yielding to it. We need to yield. So all of us, as followers of Christ, have been given the gift of the Spirit. But what he's teaching now is that you've been given at least one gift from the Spirit. So not only do you get the Spirit, you get one gift from the Spirit. You say, where does it say that? Are you reading with me? 1 Peter chapter 3, or 4, verse 10. It's right here. You've been given a gift, a spiritual gift. Another couple verses on that. Specifically, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 11 makes it clear. You've been given a gift. What are the gifts? Well, let's see what Peter does. He doesn't list all of them, doesn't give us an extensive list, so neither will I. A more complete list is found in 1 Corinthians 12. A more complete list is found in Romans chapter 12. But look what Peter does. He gives us the first group, speaking gifts. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. That's what I'm doing now. I'm teaching. I'm speaking. Speaking for God to you. There's speaking gifts. There's serving gifts. He lifts those next. Whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Stop there for a moment. We'll get back to that. But what he's talking about is there's speaking gifts. There's serving gifts. 
and gifts of faith. Those are serving gifts. Now he doesn't mention the sign gifts. See, I like things really simple. I like things you, you can put all the gifts under three S words. Speaking, serving, sign. He doesn't mention the sign gifts. He, he tells us who has the gifts. He tells us why we have the gifts. What exactly is the gift? Look with me again at that phrase and underline strength that God supplies serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified, underline glorified, through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, underline glory. Well, what does it mean to glorify? It means that you would show God off, so to speak, and dominion forever and ever. And it's like, this is a prayer now. He's like, amen. So what's the definition of a spiritual gift? It's found right here. It's a natural gift or ability that that is empowered by God. It's like God get behind, gets behind a natural ability and he just maximizes it to its fullest. It's like, it's like on steroids. It's like huge. It's like, it's like big. It's strong. You say, well, is it always a gift or an ability that I have? No, not always. Sometimes, and I could tell you about some gifts that I, that I know of people that, that, that they, just, they just, it was like they weren't like that at all. And then boom, they got this. So, so he gives you a gift. It's always empowered. That's what makes it different from a natural ability. It's empowered by him to, and, be, to, and used to the glory of God. So I had you underline glory. So, so that's what a gift is. Question. Are you a Christian? Are you a fired up Christian? Do you know your spiritual gift? I'm not sure. How do I figure that out? I mean, do I got to go take a class or something? I know you got that one class that started last week. I mean, is that how I figure it out? Well, it's good, but there's no classes that are mentioned in the New Testament. See, some of us, we just, we're going to go to the class and for four weeks and we're going to go and we're going to figure it out. And it's like, and that's good. And please don't hear me wrong. And that's a good place. I've taken the classes too. But I'm just telling you, take the class or not take the class. The scripture is clear. You know what you got to do? It flows out of service. You discover it when you're serving. And, and you get involved. And, and then you start doing some stuff. And that's how to benefit from the class. Because in the class, you're just like, well, what have you done? Well, I haven't done anything. And, you know, it, it flows out of service. So do you know what your gift is? Second question, are you using it for the glory of God in his church? Oh, that's a good one. It's a good one for the Christianity that is in America today. The selfish consumer Christianity that what? That, you know, I'm just on my own thing and I just do what I want. And are you using that gift to glorify God in the church? His specific church, the local church. Let me ask it like this. If everybody was serving as much as you, what would our church look like? Encouraging us to become more like Jesus every day. You're listening to High Point with Pastor Ron Zappia and a message called Finding Hope in This World. You can access the whole Anchored series along with resources and our contact information when you head online to highpointministries.com. 
Well, Ron, thanks so much. Such a helpful message today. Let me ask you this. How do we transition from hearing a message like this to using the gifts that God has given us, serving where we're at, letting him use us? You know, it starts with this. It starts with realizing what your gifting is. And it often comes down to just asking yourself, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? What are you interested in when it comes to this area of service? And the areas that we're naturally talented in are often the places God has gifted us to serve. So I would suggest this, dive in. Wherever you see a gifting, a passion, a desire, just dive in, see where you naturally fit in the local body. It's not an exact science and it doesn't have to be perfect. The important part is that you're getting involved, you're plugging in and you're exercising and developing your gifts to grow God's kingdom. Thanks, Ron. Well, fellowship with other believers, it is so vitally important. And whether you're reading scripture on your own, maybe you're part of a group at your church. Listen, we've created a resource especially for you. The High Point Journal uses Ron's own Bible study method of how he gets in the word by reading the text, examining it, then applying it to his own life, and then finally praying through scripture. There's plenty of room in the High Point Journal to write down your thoughts, and it's the perfect place to record insights or lessons that you're learning as you read the Bible. And when you give a financial gift of any amount today, we're going to show our deep gratitude by sending you this impactful resource. So give your financial gift, support High Point, and request the High Point Journal today. Call 844-HP-RADIO. That's 844-477-2346. Or online, go to highpointministries.com. You can also write to us at High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. That's P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. I'm Steve Smith. Join us again next time as Ron shares an inspiring message on finding hope in the trials we face. That's right here on High Point with Ron Zappia.